Welcome to the Northwestern Masters of the Arts and Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton. And I'm Adam Grossman. That's right. You hear us both today, which is a little different from, from our normal episodes, as, as typically Adam has an interview or I have an interview. But today, you get us both. And the, the reason for that is is we've had a little break, a little hiatus, and, and lots of things have happened over over that time. So we wanted to, to set the stage for, for what's coming you know, in, in upcoming episodes. So, Adam, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, also, you know, just to build on what Bryce was saying, uh, this is officially the launch of our new season. So we closed the end of our first season. We're launching our second season. As Bryce mentioned, one of the uh, things that listeners said that they wanted to hear was actually, you know, both Bryce and I talking to each other. So we're going to start the new season with a conversation between Bryce and myself, and then we'll start to have interviews um uh, starting next week and we're looking forward to having those interviews and have, sharing those interviews with you soon yeah and, and as adam said you know it was a good piece of, of listener feedback around having us us talk and and all that listener feedback we've sort of taken into account and we'll weave that into to episodes going forward but you know a lot has happened since since we last recorded in our, our last interview and and one of those big things adam adam has some news around all he's been doing and, and how that's evolved adam you want to explain that a little more yeah, and for those of you who are new to the podcast, so um, I, both Bryce and I are both professors at Northwestern's Master's in Sports Administration program. Um, originally, last season, I was the CEO and founder of a company called Block Six Analytics, uh, which is us primarily a sponsorship uh, technology and analytics firm. Um, since uh, towards the end of the first season and after the first season concluded, my company was acquired by Excel Sports Management. Excel. Um, most uh, got started as a, a talent and representation agency. Um, it represents some of the largest athletes or most important athletes in the world. It's become the largest basketball agency, the largest golf agency, and one of the largest uh, baseball player representation agency. In addition to representing significant interests in um, the NFL, on the media side, on the, uh, on the broadcast side. Um, so it's been definitely quite a transition. It's one of the reasons we delayed the start of the second season till now is because uh, as my company was being acquired um, and as we began integrating my company into Excel, um, we, you know, obviously that took a, a lot of time and a lot of focus. So we wanted to make sure that the integration went as smoothly as possible. So uh, very excited. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking potentially about things that um, now Excel Analytics does in the context of these podcasts. I'll also be having, likely having guests from Excel on the podcast, including some, um, you know, some of the people who are now my bosses potentially, and also some of the people who, um, you know, some of the people who are doing really interesting work at Excel. So um, we also have had uh, there have been a, uh, multiple uh, articles published about the acquisition. If you're interested in more detail, uh, beyond reaching out to me directly um, or reaching out to the uh, to the uh, podcast directly. You can also uh, see more articles, uh, particularly in Sportico, uh, which is the business news publication that did a feature story on, on the acquisition. Yeah, and you know we, we can put some of those articles in the, in the show notes. I think it's really exciting news for for Adam and and for Block Six Analytics and and how that evolves. You know, I think yeah, one question that I had Adam around this is that. You know the the core of, of what you did at Block Six Analytics was such a cool technology. It could be partly because of come from a technology world and how it's integrated in in sports, but it, those pieces 
and what you've built from a technology perspective, are, are they going to continue to be leveraged and weaved into the overall architecture of the, the new sort of go forward? Yeah, that was one of the nice things about the acquisition is was a complementary acquisition. So we talked about some of the things that, um, particularly whether it's sports venture capitalist or merger and acquisition or private equity in previous episodes, particularly one guest that we we talked about, or a couple of guests we talked about that. One was with uh, George Pine. Uh, another was with Keith Bank, both of which have started their own funds and their own entities that invest in sports organizations. But one of the nice things when you're thinking about acquisitions or thinking about um, you know mergers or acquisitions generally is how complementary are the two businesses. So Excel's uh, focus and what was Block 6, now Excel Analytics focus, uh, were definitely different but complementary. So basically what we are good at or what uh, is not necessarily a, was not necessarily a strength of Excel and what Excel was really strong at is was not necessarily a block six uh, biggest strength either. So putting the two businesses together really can add and unlock a significant amount of value. And what Bryce is referring to is uh, block six um, at, at its core had developed a suite of technology, uh, so, uh, technology algorithms, model insights, and a, and a dashboard solution that enabled the buyers and sellers of partnerships to understand the value of those partnerships um, in a company-specific way. So basically what we did is we looked at how a company generates revenue, what was the company's goals, how do those uh, brand and revenue go- goals align with or overlap with a partnership, and how does a partnership help generate a me- um, and maximize impact across those goals based on the activations within those partnerships. And when you think of partnership activations, you can think of things that happen um, in venue. You can think of... Um, you know, like when, when you go to a game, uh, what you see potentially on television, what you see in digital and social media, uh, what we would call event marketing, um, which are, you know, when there are specific events that uh, are activated where partners are, are brought to the forefront, uh, intellectual property. So when a partner leverages the logo or name, image or likeness uh, of a sports entity in particular to maximize um, uh, value through activations. Um, and then there's also, um, uh, experiential marketing or creating unique experiences um, through uh, sometimes combine experiential and hospitality together. So creating unique experiences or hospitality events, you know, whether that's at the at the Super Bowl, at the Final Four, at individual games, um, working with specific players, all of that can be aggregated into a single solution. So all of our products and offerings uh, have been and will be a part of Excel. We've actually developed some new offerings of which we can talk about a little bit more detail going forward. Um, but that's right. So the idea of integrating these offerings with the infrastructure, particularly the core capabilities that Excel has, um, both within the brand market. So we're really focused on the brand marketing side. So helping companies maximize the value of partnerships. But we work with all the different groups within Excel, whether that's uh, properties, talent, media, um, and, and brand marketing, so that they can maximize the value of those types of engagements. Yeah, it's really cool. And I mean, when you frame it that way, you know, sort of as you mentioned, they seem do seem to be very complementary, right? I mean, I think that all of the pieces from from Excel and what they do and the, the lineage of their business, it seems like a natural evolution with all of the great things that you you had developed. And it, it'll be really cool to see how that goes forward. And, and like you said, I think it'd be really great, you know, to be able to talk to some people that you work with day to day and, and the vision of how that goes forward and, and how those things get integrated together and, and what can be done in that space, because there's so much, you know, from a sports 
we're evolving a lot in sports today and how that's monetized and how it's consumed and, and where it's consumed. And I think that, you know, what you had developed and, and how that's integrated together now with Excel is sort of the future of how we can continue to monetize sports in a really smart and interesting way. Yeah, I think we want to talk about some of those topics in more detail um, in terms of some of those things that we're really focused on uh, and some of the things we want to cover with the guests uh, that we're going to have on the podcast, whether that's how do we leverage technology in new ways? How do we look at NIL? How do we look at uh, betting? How do we look at the integration of esports and gaming? How do we look at, um, um, you know, how do we look at uh, particularly potentially, you know, some of the topics both that are important in the sports industry and outside the sports industry, the metaverse being one that seems to have a lot of uh, potential traction. But before we jump into all that, we do probably good to get an update on your side based on, what's been going on <laughs> in your world and, and what's been going on from your perspective, uh, particularly since we ended this season last year. You know, nothing that nothing as exciting as, as you know, and, and you know, in, in full disclosure, I think that, you know, Adam and I have done this for a long time, but known each other for a long time. I think it's exciting for me on this side to see that work that Adam built into that build. There's there's a big part of me as I didn't turn 40 in the hiatus, um, I guess. So there's that. And and we had welcomed another another member of our household. So there was that as well. But I think one of the things that. Uh, you know, I've always looked at from Adam's perspective is that being a 40 year old person, it, it's tough to do, uh, to, to pick up and start and do some of the things that Adam did, right. To build something from the ground up. And I think that that's a, it's a really cool experience that, that, you know, it, you learn a lot from, um, you know, I've seen Adam wear a lot of hats over the years and be spread pretty thin. And so it'll be really, really cool to see what can be done, you know, in that business to get when there's some room to grow and those things. But beyond that, for me, you know, things have been moving along, teaching class and, you know, as Adam mentioned, some of these really interesting topics that have come up, come up and, and moved along, kind of been focusing on those and weaving those into not only from a class perspective, but my day to day work as well. And so I'm excited to, to dig into to some of those things, you know, just to sort of frame, Adam, I, I guess where we left off last year. You know, we did a, a, a wide range of, of interviews with different people, and we sort of ended the season. I, I think one of the last episodes that we had last year was, was Carmen Vitale of, of the, the Tampa Bay Bucks, who's a, a former MSA student, and she talked about, you know, getting in her path to, to be with the Bucks. But I think Adam mentioned a ton of those topics that we're going to talk about, you know, things like the, the metaverse or NIL or, or NFTs, and, and it's exciting to dig into those. I think a question I have for you, Adam, you mentioned the metaverse. I, being a technology person, I'm still yet to figure out if that's just a marketing term or not. <laughs> I, there's, I think that's a good question. And I think that, you know, talking about these topics and kind of some of the things that have developed in the MSA program. Uh, around these kind of topics would be something we would like to get more on your end about. But it, just in terms of the metaverse itself, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, this is something that it, it's kind of a topic. This, we talk about this a little bit in the book that I teach in my class called The Sports Strategist. We have a specific focus on a chapter about technology. And one of the things that we recommend for, and one of the things I talk about in my class, one of the things we recommend generally is that everybody needs to be kind of their own chief technology officer. Not in the context of, you know, not everybody's going to be a programmer, not everybody's going to build uh, microchips or, you know, semiconductors. But the idea is that understanding the value of, um, Understanding how the how new technologies plays into an overall strategic decision making process, and how you integrate technology into that strategic decision making process in ways that can drive value to the business that you're looking at. Um, one of the actually case studies that we focus on, or at least a breakout, is uh, Second Life, where Second Life seemed to be a first kind of a, do you want to call it metaverse 1.0. I know there's a lot of 
for those who are followers of technology, there's, you know, when you talk about 1.0 and web 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, metaverse and decentralized platforms, all stuff we can talk about in more detail, all stuff we will talk about with our guests. But Second Life, you know, there's already been attempts to create these kind of immersive digital experiences. And there were certainly, uh, whether brands in and around the sports industry, the NBA being one that we talked about in the book, um, that tried to think about their entry into Second Life and how that would work in creating virtual stores. It's kind of similar to what some of the um, uh, language and, and jargon that's being used around the metaverse today in terms of creating digital goods, digital stores, having real transactions around the stores. I think it's it, it's not it's definitely difficult to say that it's just a marketing ploy. If nothing else, right? Obviously, Facebook for a variety of reasons, but one renaming the company, mm-hmm. you know, calling it Meta. The amount of capital, particularly that companies, you know, themselves are putting into this space, and that um, you know, uh, private capital, and that's through private equity or venture funding, um, or through other sources of capital. Clearly, that's definitely there, there's. Uh, and, you know, there's definitely a lot of money moving into the space. There's also, you know, company, senior company leaders who are not, you know, who've gotten to their position, not because they're necessarily in the business of making pronouncements that are just things to, um, you know, that maybe don't have teeth to them, whether that's, you know, Disney or Microsoft's acquisition uh, of, uh, you know, Activision Blizzard. Um, the idea is that there's a lot going on that the metaverse and creating immersive digital experiences um, clearly are something that are strategic priorities for companies and not just in the sports industry, but outside the sports industry. And, um, you know, again, whether, whether it takes the form that's being currently talked about today, you know, obviously that's debatable, but the idea of creating these immersive experiences that marry the digital world and the, the physical world, I think will continue to grow. Yeah. And, and I would agree with you. I mean, I think you made an interesting point around how you frame that in class and, and funny teaching the class about technology. We kind of do the same thing. And what I mean by that is not everybody is going to be, you know, designing cloud architectures, right? But right. how to, for lack of a better term, it'd be a little bit dangerous from a technology perspective and really understand the strategic piece of, of how it weaves into your business and what you deal with going forward. And it's here to stay, right? It's, it's not going anywhere, but you frame that really well of, you know, we hear it's like you get out the buzzword bingo card, right? And you hear metaverse and these things, but as you kind of coined it, immersive digital experiences, right? And I think that there is a lot around that. And I think there's a lot that we'll talk about in the upcoming episodes and in some of those interviews around immersive digital experiences, especially in the time that we're situated in with sports and how sports gets consumed today and, and the difference that it was from two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. So I think that those will be really interesting to see how they continue to evolve. And, and I think that sports is a place where those immersive digital experiences are definitely, you know, going to be prevalent and, and probably pretty valuable. Like you said, there's a lot of investment going into that and a lot of smart people looking into it. And, and there's definitely reasons behind that. So how would you integrate those kind of topics into your class and what you're teaching mm. your students? Yeah. So it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I think that Around my course, we talk about a couple of different things. The beginning part of it is really building a baseline of technology's place in sports and why it's situated there. And I think that a big piece of of what you just mentioned, right, those immersive digital experience and how we consume sports, it really is kind of the fabric of how technology is weaved into it. I think we also talk a lot about two different sides of the coin, the at-home experience and the in-stadium experience, right, and how those things overlap, but how they've really diverged in a lot of ways. You know, if you think back to 
when television was first, you know, broadcasting sports, it was designed to mimic the in-stadium experience. Now they're two completely different products, right? And and I think this, as you talked about, whether immersive digital experiences, the metaverse, whatever it may be, is another one of those different products to be able to consume, you know, sports in a different way and interact and then also ultimately transact with with sports in that way and so those would be kind of the biggest places to weave it in but i do think that going forward there'll definitely be a a place for it for sure yeah i think that's exactly right and i think that's the idea of what you're talking about obviously given you can talk more about your current role uh, but right the idea of Marrying technology and understanding how that technology will, you know, impact. Obviously, I listed out a bunch of topics, you know, in terms of those are all technology oriented. But you know, just because we're we're talking a lot about technology, and then maybe you know a focus uh, and, a, and a core strategic focus of sports decision makers, um, and it will always be a core focus of sports decision makers is how does the impact of technology. Uh, or what is the impact of technology in the overall sports business? And you know, sports business is a very all-encompassing kind of term. Um, there have been estimates. So I think in, in our book, we use a $750 billion a year industry. There's a wide variety of estimates on the size of the industry. So technology and what that means, whether you're talking about, um, you know, we've talked a lot about digital experiences, but there's certainly a lot of hardware experiences that are happening in and around sports and the development of hardware and the development of um, you know, whether that's particularly in the, in the intersection of health, personal health, sports, how that all impacts, you know, it's not just digital necessarily, but that's kind of the way that all of this can get integrated. And even just the core, you know, when people think of sports, I think the core experience still is, or that people perceive it to be, is like what's going on in the venue. And like you're saying, the intersection between place marketing, or that's a concept we talked about in my class and, and in the book as well. Uh, but this intersection of where does the physical space end and does it really end and does that extend into the local communities and does it extend beyond venues and now does it extend into these digital universes that can be you know huge and and, um it can really be woven into a lot of different components of uh of a fan life or the different audiences that will be interacting with sports organizations so i think there's all stuff there that you you were just talking about that mm-hmm. is definitely exploring worth exploring and exploring more detail and obviously those are some of the topics we'll be just exploring with our guests um going forward in, in season two yeah it's a really good point i mean i think that like you said you listed out several things like and i name image and likeness and, and nfts and betting you know there is a technical spend to some of those things but but as you mentioned it, it's not all predicated on technology overall, but there is, like you mentioned, the the overall view of, of how you weave technology into that to be, you know, from a strategic perspective. You know, I think it, we will, one of the topics that, that I'm really interested in digging into, you know, this season is the gambling aspect of things. And the reason I say that is that you think of it from a course perspective and, and teaching class, I think is a really good training ground to see sort of what is really hitting hard from a sports industry perspective. And over the last couple of quarters of teaching, not only from the news that's out there, but the students themselves and the projects they do and the work that they bring, a lot of it has been around gambling and how gambling is integrated into the physical experience, but also you know the at-home or, or on-the-go type experience. And I think that you know, I don't know if you have seen the same thing, but I, I do think it's one to really explore because it, it has become more prevalent. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good um, good point in terms of like there was some – it only I think it was in 2018 that the legislation to repeal the laws um, the, against uh, sports gambling had went into place. And, and since 2018, um, 
it's really escalated. But again, it's the idea of you're a sports decision maker, you know, whether you have specific expertise in gambling or sports betting or how that works, um, you know, not necessarily as big. You know, one of the things that I focused on, particularly at Block Six, was what was the impact uh, of sports betting, not just on its core and how it can impact the, you know, particularly the public from a tax benefit perspective in terms of increasing tax and and bringing you know some of the things that people were doing anyway into a taxable infrastructure that then could generate revenue for a city state. Um, or potentially even a country, but the idea is more like what are the other uh, ripple effects of sports gambling across all the different potential revenue streams? In particular, you know, is that going to impact, and it already has impacted sports media. For a lot of big sports leagues, um, sports media is the biggest um, driver of revenue generation, even now, and even as the media uh, landscape continues to fragment and potentially move into different offerings away from the core um either uh, broadcast or um, uh, pay TV model uh, or traditional pay TV model um, into these other direct to consumer models. Um, that's something that's, you know, again, it hasn't been decided, but it's something that still needs further exploration, but clearly the idea of sports content driving uh, or, or sports driving content and the importance of content, not just in sports, but to companies that uh, operate in and around the sports ecosystem. And the idea that sports content um, continues to have an impact uh, above and beyond um, uh, above and beyond that is really d does that you know what is the impact of sports betting and sports gambling on content and content consumption and how does that increase engagement around properties and around the content that are being developed by properties and you know that's something I had talked about um, we talked about a little bit in previous seasons but certainly something we want to focus on in more detail in upcoming seasons in particular around you know what is the holistic impact uh, of sports gambling Mark Cuban stated at one point that once that legislation was repealed that the value of every sports organization doubled or tripled overnight and it, it's not necessarily because that sports leagues could say not necessarily have not been as successful in doing this in, in, in terms of um, monetizing those sports betting or creating some form of integrity fee in which sports leagues would get a percentage of the transaction but they have been successful in monetizing the data that's being generated from that but also the increase in engagement should impact the increase in ticket sales, the increase in game consumption, the increase in sponsorship values, the increase in, in creating unique experiences, particularly through on-site uh, creations of sports books uh, at a variety of different sports venues. So it has a ripple effect that goes beyond just what maybe is originally thought of as what is the impact of sports betting. And that, those are the types of things we talk about in our classes throughout the program and some of the things we'll be exploring in more detail with our guests. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think one thing that you mentioned that's, that's really interesting to me is the, the content consumption part of that. You know, you think about when we were kids in the un, under the radar ways that people would, would mention the lines or things like that. And now there's right. there's whole networks around gambling and, and they're integrated into, you know, larger sports properties talk about gambling openly. And it's still strange to see in many ways. Right. But I think the other part of that is the content consumption piece of how we as consumers consume sports content, right? I mean, take it out of the tech space a little bit. You know, what happens? Several of these, these rights deals are coming up soon, relatively soon. And what's going to happen, right? You know, we, we talked about the traditional pay TV model and how that's monetized. And we, we understand how that's monetized really well. 
But the other models of consuming sports and with younger viewers that consume things in a different way, how do we capture or how do teams and leagues and, and even individual athletes capture that market, but then also monetize it, right? I think that's the biggest piece of it. There's a lot of dollars and cents that are at stake. And so one thing that, that you know, I spend my day job is, is predicated on streaming and the monetization of, of streaming content. And so it's an area that, that I, I, one, find fascinating, but two, I think is a really relevant thing that we're going to see, you know, in sports in the years to come. So we'll certainly dig into that this season as well. Yeah. I think one of the things that is interesting that you brought up um, is like, well, it's still a little jarring for me to see sports betting and, and sports gambling. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be soon if they're not already exist a generational divide. I mean, obviously, you and I are a little bit older than, than some of our students that we teach, um, but, and younger than some of the <laughs> guests that we'll have. But mm-hmm. the idea is that um, there certainly are generational divides. I mean, for a lot of of our students, you know, some of the things that seem like why well, you know it seems novel to me, you know, is something that's more native to the the user, particularly as a generational. Um, particularly as either whether it's younger millennials, Gen Z, or the following generations come up, where this is something that is going to be, become native to their experience. You know, I think the idea of a direct-to-consumer or the fact that, you know, you would have um, apps that you would be streaming all of your different sports content and not necessarily be on ESPN was something that was even novel or foreign, you know, even five, ten years ago that seems much more commonplace now. Or the idea that Netflix would be bidding on sports rights or Apple, you know, like some of these technology companies that are starting to consider adding sports media to an overall content distribution strategy. I think it's really interesting. Obviously, you're like you said, you work in streaming, you're at the forefront of streaming. But um, that, that's something that's going to be interesting is to see how these generational divides and something that, um, you know, we constantly or we tell our students is to think about it. You can't just think about it in the context of your own experience. You have to think about it in the context of you know, what the fan is now and what a sports fan will be uh, look like going, going forward. That's a really good point. I mean, I think we often deal from a, from a teaching perspective with with students, you know, from a certain sector, certain generation that, that see things in different ways. And, you know, sports is one of those really interesting things that does break down generational divides in some ways, but it also upholds them pretty well too, right? Meaning that my father still reads, reads the newspaper and reads the sports section and looks at box scores where, you know, we don't do the same thing and younger, you know, I still like to watch full games, but, you know, I actually, you mentioned Mark Cuban. I heard it in an interview with Mark Cuban not that long ago. He talked about his son watches all Mavericks games, but he either watches them, you know, on TikTok videos or like, you know, house of highlights from Instagram. And so how we consume across generations is, is really fascinating. I think it's, it, it'll be a great thing to dig into, you know, as we, as we come up, you know, Adam, you mentioned, you know, we, we, we have a lot of, of content, a lot of topics to talk about in the, in the upcoming, upcoming season. I think that, you know, we'll have a wide range of guests just like we did last season. And I think Adam and I will, you know, cover different types and different different areas from the sports industry and and we're really looking forward to you know digging into all these topics so one other piece that that we're really looking forward to in covering you know in this season and that will be an alumni series from from an msa perspective um you know there have been a lot of really great students to come through the master's of sports administration program at northwestern and many of them are situated in some really interesting jobs across college athletics and professional athletics and, and jobs that tangentially touch sports and so our goal is to highlight some of those you know students and, and what they do um but also you know, linking back to some of these same topics that, that adam adam and i've talked about and, and expanding on those 
Yeah, I think there's a couple of things there. One, uh, one point I wanted to bring up, particularly in the context of students and, and students that have been successful in the sports industry, is that um, one of the things that we try to do within the program is arm our students to be successful in the sports industry. And one of the things that, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I focus on in my class or the end of, uh, particularly in my um, intro to sports analytics classes, the end of the class is to give a presentation that talks about how you can maximize a revenue stream uh, within a sports organization. One of the questions that I try to pose to students um, as they're developing their presentations is you do have to think about disruption. So I know we focused a lot on new technology and we focus a lot um, going forward on the the issues that could potentially impact the sports industry. But um, the idea is that there are obviously traditional or more traditional revenue streams that already exist. And thinking about how those, um, you know, whether it's new technologies or new platforms or new uh, new ways of consuming content or new ways of, um, you know, just a new, new, even like we talked about from a technology perspective, it's not just digital, it can also be hardware. How, how does that, you know, new legislation? The idea is that there is an infrastructure and for a lot of sports organizations, particularly ones that our students are looking to, when they enter into the workforce as they leave our program, there are revenue streams that already exist. So thinking about how all of this new uh, all the things that we're going to talk about integrates into on a go forward basis you know what already exists and what's already been successful is something to to consider um the reason i bring that up is that we have a lot of students like i said who have entered into the sports industry have already achieved success in the sports industry we want to cover that and that's one of the things we do want to talk about and we do talk about in the context of these um discussions and these podcast episodes that we have um and the other thing we want to bring out is that um, this season, we'll also have more episodes that have been um, either designed or uh, where the students were the catalyst to get a, a further episodes. So in addition to talking to students, the first uh, episode of the season was um, one of the things we do in my intro to sports analytics class is we have a podcast project where our students create podcast production plans with the goal of potentially uh, helping to produce and helping to get a, a guest onto the program in our first episode for this season is uh, the successful uh, fruition of that plan. Um, it was something that was uh, ideated in the class and executed um, with the help of one of our students um, to make sure that that could happen. So our first guest in our first episode from the season will be one of that, uh, one of those episodes. And I, I believe we'll have more of those episodes going forward in the season. And, and that's one of the nice things about this program is again, we, we wanna make this operational, we wanna make it beneficial, we wanna be able to take the work um, both highlight what students are doing after they graduate, but also make um, these courses uh, operational in ways that they, uh, our students can really benefit from having unique experiences through these classes. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think I'm excited for the season after hearing all that. I mean, I think there's a lot of, of great ways that we can go and a lot of interesting conversations we're going to have that can be driven from from your course and those students, but also, you know, with your your work currently and in, in the coming together of those those things and some of the people that I've been working from from a technical perspective. So, you know, a lot to look forward to for this season, but it, it's great to, to catch up, Adam, and it's great to, to see you again. And, you know, we both look forward to, to the upcoming season and, and, and all that's there. Yeah, I think that it's great to see you. And I think that's one of the benefits of having both of us be honest is that we can bring different experiences, different backgrounds, yep. different networks and get different perspectives. And we're excited to share those with you in the upcoming season. Well, thanks, Adam. And thanks. It's great to catch up today. You know, and, and as you said, you know, our next uh, first episode with, with an interview will be, you know, Adam next week. And so we all hope that, that you catch that and, and catch the, the episodes coming forward in, in this upcoming season. 